Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Fourth and Manageable, an SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. So one of the things we want to do on this podcast, uh, every show if possible, is take some of your questions. And I want to start off here with our very first show, our very first question coming from Robbie, who asked, what is a successful season for Texas A&M? Which, which I think is a great question because the expectations for A&M, to me, seem unrealistic when you look at the preseason ranking, you know, sitting there well into the top 10 after losing four games all in the sec West last season. Um, can, and, and look, they didn't even finish in the top 25. I realized if they had played the bowl game and they had won it, uh, they, they would have been in the top 25, but for a team to have finished outside of the top 25 and then be, be preseason number six, that, that just seems like a like a big ask, and especially a team that that doesn't have a proven quarterback. And I, that's the big question to me with AM. Um, how high their ceiling is really depends on on how good their quarterback play is. And we saw last year against Alabama, you know, when Zach Calzada played the game of his life, um, they were fantastic and they they pulled a, a huge upset. And, and so we know what their ceiling is, but when, when you look at the Jimbo Fisher era so far, and you know, you look at those years with Kellen Mond um, previous to last year, how often have they gotten great quarterback play? We, we haven't seen it, even though that's what a lot of people expect from a Jimbo Fisher coach team. So to me, that's, what's going to determine how good A&M can be is, is the quarterback position as far as, you know, what's realistic. I mean, you, you play in Tuscaloosa, against an Alabama team that has revenge on its mind after, you know, A&M having knocked them off a year ago. So your odds of beating Alabama in that game are obviously slim. If you don't beat Alabama, your odds of winning the West are slim. So what really are the chances of A&M making the playoff? I wouldn't think that they're great. I'm not going to say that they're completely unrealistic, but They've pretty much got to beat everybody else um, if they're going to have a chance to be able to to be in contention late in the season. My opinion is best case scenario for, well, not best case scenario, 
But as far as what would be a successful season for AM, I, I think 10 wins in the regular season, 10 and two or better. Um, better is possible, but I think 10 and two is realistic. And if they can do that, I don't think anyone with AM should be disappointed. Um, because if if you've got a chance to come back from a 10 and two season with a proven quarterback, and if they're able to get another great recruiting class. Um, then you can really start to, you know, to aim bigger. And, and, and to me, that's another reason this season is so important for Jimbo is because of what you just did recruiting, you want to sustain that momentum um, by getting better on the field. If you go out there and you lose four games again, you know, it starts to raise some questions as to whether A&M is a place where you can compete for the national title. And a lot of the big time recruits, they, they want to be at a place where they can compete. So I think for A&M to have a good season and to kind of sustain the momentum that, that it, it had throughout the offseason after that recruiting class, they need to win at least 10 games. And we'll uh, we'll we'll see um, if that's if that's something that, that A&M can do. Uh, obviously, their recent history says uh, it, it's not likely. Uh, Dale asks, who is your sleeper team in the SEC? This is um, this is one that um, I, I could go so many different directions because I feel like there's just a ton of parity after Alabama and Georgia. I'm going to go with Arkansas, and I realize they are preseason top 25, so I'm not talking about a team that is, is coming out of nowhere. But I, you know, I just mentioned AM. And, and two years ago, AM had one of those seasons where they lost to Alabama, but then they beat everybody else and uh, ended up with, I believe, a number five final ranking um, somewhere right in that range. And it was a great season. I, I'm not saying Arkansas is going to do that, but but I think when you look at their schedule, there's an opportunity for that, you know, because Arkansas has a chance um, when, first of all, when you look at the non-conference, you know, they've got games against Cincinnati and, and BYU, two very respected teams um, who could both be ranked at the time they play them. If they beat both of them, they're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of respect for having those two wins out of the league. And then obviously, um, if you win most of your games in the league, uh, you're going to have uh, some really good wins mixed in there too. And, and outside of the game against Alabama, which, you know, is a home game this year for whatever that's worth. I mean, that you give them a fighting chance. There, there's not another game on there that I look at that. I think, hey, you know what? Arkansas has got no chance to win this one. Mark that one down as a loss. Um, you know, once again, I'm not saying that I, I think Arkansas is going to go, um, 11 and one, but, but I, there are a lot of winnable games on there and, and they do have one of the few proven quarterbacks, uh, in the sec outside of, uh, outside of, of Alabama and Georgia. There aren't many teams that have a real proven quarterback. Arkansas is one of them. They certainly, there, there's some questions as to who's going to catch passes there. There's some questions on defense. Um, but, but in, in this league, you know, if you can score, if you've got a, a good quarterback and a good offensive line in front of him, I, I, I think you can overcome some of the other questions, especially on defense. So, um, that is, uh, that, that's the team that I'll throw out there is one that I think has a chance, um, to have maybe a better season than, than even some of the people who are ranking them in the top 25 to start off with might think. 
Uh, Paul asks, what are the expectations for Brian Kelly at LSU? It, now, look, there's, there are two parts to this question. One is is year one, and I, I would say my expectations um, aren't great for year one. I mean, look, I'm not expecting LSU to have a losing record. They have too much talent for that. But, but I'm not expecting the full impact of, of Brian Kelly to be felt right out of the gate. Uh, but, but my opinion is that Brian Kelly is one of the best coaches in college football. I mean, with what he did at Notre Dame, over a long stretch of time. And this was no small sample size. We, we got to see him there for quite a while. And when you look at not only, you know, one national championship game appearance early in his career at Notre Dame, um, a playoff appearance late in his career at Notre Dame. And, and, and a lot of his later teams were just so consistent and, and you could just, you could basically count on them to be in the top 10 for most of the season, if not finish in the top 10. And even though a lot of people, you know, say, oh, it's Notre Dame, look at their history, they should be in the top 10. I don't think that's as easy at Notre Dame as it once was. Uh, when when you consider the academic requirements, I, I think it's quite an accomplishment for Brian Kelly to to do what he did at Notre Dame. And, and he really impressed me. And I, I think if I had to point to one thing, it would be, his ability to win the games that he was expected to win over. I want to say it was his last five seasons at Notre Dame. He lost one game in which he was the Vegas favorite one game that his team was favored. They actually lost. Now that doesn't mean they went out there and, and won by the number of points that everybody expected them to every time. But when they were expected to win the game, they won it and they pulled a few upsets here and there. But when you go from Notre Dame to LSU, you're taking a step up in talent. Notre Dame has good talent. LSU always has the opportunity to have elite talent. And if you're looking for a coach who can just win the games he should win based on the talent on his roster, you put that guy at LSU, he should win almost every game on the schedule. I mean, outside of Alabama, and maybe if you have a crossover game against Georgia, the rest of them he should win. And that's been a problem for LSU in recent years is, is you know, dropping too many of these games against teams that aren't as talented as they are. And, and when you look at long-term expectations, I mean, let's be honest, you know, neither Coach O nor Les Miles, and in my opinion, is the caliber of coach that Brian Kelly is. And both of those guys won a national championship at LSU. And, and you know, maybe this comes back to, to haunt Brian Kelly and maybe it puts too much pressure on right out of the gate, knowing that those guys did win a title. Uh, obviously Saban won one before that. So the last three head coaches at LSU all won a national championship. Brian Kelly at the very least should be in the mix for the national championship several times. If he stays at least, you know, six years at LSU, I, I just feel he's that good of a coach. They should have that level of talent. And so that that's what my expectation is uh, for Brian Kelly at LSU is that he should be a national title contender within a few years. And then after that should be so on a regular basis. Um, the, uh, the next question is from Stuart. What does Mark Stoops need to do to get respect? <laughs> and uh, well said, Stuart. Mark Stoops, I think is one of the most underappreciated coaches in college football. And you know, you just had the whole back and forth with 
John Calipari, you know, saying that Kentucky's a basketball school and, and Stoops took the high road and all that. But it, it's true. Um, this is a, this is a sport that is is number two on campus and and it always will be. And yet, Mark Stoops has, has not only managed to exceed expectations as far as the number of games um, that that he wins year after year, but but he also ha- has turned a basketball loving fan base uh, in into passionate football fans, and, and maybe not to the degree that they are passionate about basketball, but man, they support this football team, and uh, you know and. and People like Stewart get fired up when their team gets disrespected, which is great to see at Kentucky. Um, so I, I think Mark Stoops, when you look at what he has done, the number of games that he has won year after year, and you compare that to what the history of Kentucky football is, um, I, I think he is. I think he, he's one of the better coaches in college football. In fact, I, I, I think he's probably one of the top ten coaches in the country. If I had to rank the SEC coaches, I would put Stoops fourth. I I would start off with Saban and then go Kirby Smart. And 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 look, those guys have the most talent. They should win and they do win. Uh and, and they've they've, you know, obviously Saban's won a lot of national titles. Kirby finally got one. And then yeah, I just told you what I feel about Brian Kelly. I would put Brian Kelly next um, because he has a little bit bigger of a body of work than Mark Stoops. But then I would go to Stoops next. I I would put Mark Stoops before Jimbo Fisher. I I just feel like when you look at what these coaches have done relative to the talent on their roster, um, I think Mark Stoops has done more than Jimbo Fisher has, you know, in, in the last 10 years or whatever. And that includes Jimbo's national championship at Florida state, which was a great team. Um, but, but Jimbo's had a lot of teams that have underachieved relative to their talent. And, and I can't say that that's happened for Mark Stoops very often. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Stoops. Uh, I hope he stays at Kentucky. Um, would hate to see him leave the conference, but, um, if he, if he does stay in the sec and go somewhere else, look out. Cause he could, the guy's very good at what he does and he knows what he's doing. Uh, and then the last question we have, um, uh, came to us on on Twitter from Goal Line Stand, and, it, and the question is, what does Bryce Young need to do statistically to repeat as a Heisman winner? This is a, one of those. Now, now, for those who don't know, historically, there's only been one person who has ever won two Heisman trophies, and that was Archie Griffin at Ohio State in the 70s. And, and I, I think it's gotten to the point now where for the last 15 years or so, when we have had a returning Heisman Trophy winner in college football, I, I think the bar has, in some cases, been unfairly raised um, because there is there's such a knowledge among Heisman voters that Archie Griffin is the only two-time winner, and, and it's almost like a sacred thing among the voters where you are not only going to have to be a fantastic football player and, and be um, an upstanding citizen, like a person of really high character in order for them to be willing to give you a second Heisman trophy. But you're going to have to be so far and away the best player that it's obvious that you just, you you couldn't possibly give it to anyone else. And I think that's where it's going to be tough for Bryce young, because you remember the numbers he put up last year, just insane, you know, passing yards and touchdowns and, and setting school records in those categories and 
the reason he was able to do it is because Alabama really struggled to run the ball for a lot of games. And then they had to throw in order, in order to keep winning and, and stay in the playoff hunt. And obviously the huge game against Georgia and the SEC championship as a big underdog, uh, put him over the top and really clinched the Heisman for him. They're not going to have a game like that this season where they're going to go in with very few people thinking that they can win the game. In fact, I would be surprised they're not favored in, in every game they play. And on top of that, I think Alabama's offensive line is going to be better. They're going to be able to run the ball more effectively, and they're going to have more blowout games. Alabama had an uncharacteristic number of close games last year where, where he had to stay and, and throw the ball for almost the full four quarters. I can't see that coming close to happening again. And so I, I think that's the reason he's not the preseason favorite is that people know realistically he, he's probably not going to come close to putting up the numbers he did last year. He might be more efficient, but I, I don't think the the raw numbers for passing yards and passing touchdowns will be what they were in uh, 2021 for Bryce Young. And, and that's fine. Maybe his teammate, Will Anderson, will end up uh, winning it if he doesn't. Um, I think both of them uh, have a really good chance to be in New York, but um, his chance, Bryce Young's chance of winning another Heisman, I would say, are very slim for those reasons. One um, is that is that he would have to be so incredible in order to get consideration from a lot of voters to be given a second one, and and then the uh, the realistic chance of that happening happening given Alabama's uh, offensive situation, um, I, I think is pretty slim. So. Thanks for those questions, everybody. We'll uh, we'll do it again uh, on Saturday. Uh, I, I did mention earlier in the podcast that uh, at the end of the day on Saturday, Tyler Bray and myself will be going through talking about all the games uh, in the SEC. We'll do it each and every Saturday. And when we record our podcast at the end of Saturday night, um, we will take some of your questions. And in fact, I think Tyler will probably take more of them than I will um, relative to things that happened uh, in those games. So if you're watching the games on, on Saturday and you, uh, you, you, you see something that you want to get the, the quarterback's perspective on, uh, what did he think about, um, this particular call? What did he think about, uh, this situation, whatever it may be? Um, what does a quarterback do when this happens? Uh, fire it off and we'll have Tyler answer it, or maybe there could be some that you could send to me. Um, but uh, do the same thing um, today that, uh, or do the same thing then that we did today, which is uh, hashtag SEC22. Um, but we'll send out something uh, on Twitter for that on Saturday. But if you're if you're uh, listening to this now, just realize that uh, every show that we do, feel free to send in your questions with hashtag SEC22, including on Saturday. So that's it for our first podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for downloading. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again on Saturday night after all the games are over. Take care.